You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Kate, the great, welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. It's good to be back, Owen, and talking about another thrilling topic today. Yes, it's always a great day when you get to talk (laughs) about insurance and specifically health insurance. And while we might jest a little bit, it actually is a really important topic for a lot of people and we really haven't covered it. No, no, I think apart from that one uh, super speedy insurance episode we did back at the very beginning of the podcast. This is the the only other time we've really mentioned it. Yeah. And naturally, because it's about insurance, this is what, this one's going to go viral. Um, people are going to love it. Um, no, but seriously, we, we're going to cover all of the, I guess the ins and outs, the, the need to know facts about health insurance. Mm. One thing we should say before we get into this is when it comes to insurance and particularly anything that's to do with your health, there's normally quite a few asterisks. The government's tried to tidy this sector up a bit, but don't just go up off um, after this episode and just get the, your, you know, any insurance. Take your time to consider your own personal circumstances and how you know, existing medical conditions or you know, how much you need to spend on insurance. Um, consider all of those different things and make sure you read the PDS. Okay, now that we've got through that fun disclaimer, Kate, why yes. are we talking about health insurance? Well, I didn't actually know this until I started researching for the episode, but a lot of health funds are actually increasing their premiums uh, on the 1st of October because they delayed it for a while because of COVID. Uh, so I think it's it's a good time to just go and if you ha- do have private health insurance, go and compare it. So hopefully this episode comes just in time to give you that reminder that you might be able to get a better deal. Um, but also 
I haven't thought about it too much as a young person because um, often you get to stay on your parents' plan until sort of the age of 23, 25, depending on what plan and if you're a student. So it's not something you often think about in your 20s um, and, and often you don't start thinking about it into your 30s, as we'll discuss later once you uh, start getting a, a surcharge, which is probably what Owen's uh, coming across at the moment. Hey, whoa, <laughs> age. Okay, here we go. Age Now bias. he's a big old house-owning adult. Um, yeah, so I think we have a great healthcare system in Australia with Medicare, and so you don't actually need private health insurance in Australia to have your medical costs covered, which is quite different to the American system. And I'm, I'm very, another thing I'm very grateful for as an Australian that you can just, um, you can go to a bulk billing doctor. You can, if you go to the hospital, um, I think the only, the only exception to that is a lot of the extras and um, sorry, ambulance cover, which is not something that Medicare covers. So there's a few things in here that even if you don't want to get health insurance and you've already made that decision, there's a few things we're going to mention that are worth thinking about regardless. And what we've done is we've recorded, um, we've, we've spoken to um, an expert on this topic as well. So we're going to bring him in throughout the episode. So it won't just be us two going back and forth over health insurance. But you touched on a few things there that are really important, Kate. Obviously, we have a great public healthcare system in Australia, but we also have a private healthcare system which includes private hospitals and the ability to get insurance to cover some of the costs when you go and use things like physios or dental or different types of things like that. So I guess just generally what is health insurance? So private health insurance, and we, we might just call it health insurance, by the way, but mm. private health insurance is something that you pay for. Um, you pay a premium just like you would for your, your home and contents. You pay either you know, via installments or a yearly fee. And it provides cover for certain things throughout the year. And um, some of those things which we've just talked about can be kind of put in this other bucket, which is extras, which is things like um, yeah, dental, physio, um, all those different things that you might come across as a, I guess, elective kind of thing. Like you go and see the physio because you've got a niggle or something like that. But then there's the other side um, of private health insurance, and that's actually hospital cover. And it's important to differentiate between the two because most people think they're the same thing. Like when I started researching this many years ago, I thought, oh, it's all just the same thing. You've got to, you've got to have extras if you've got hospital cover. You don't actually. You can, have, mm. you can have extras from one health insurer and hospital cover from another health insurer. But um, the big driving force behind this is, uh, for most people with private health insurance, is um, tax. There's a, a certain threshold, which um, I'll just get my numbers up here so I'm not getting them wrong, from the ATO website, if you're a single and you earn more than $90,000 a year, or if you're part of a family or a couple and you're earning over $180,000 a year, you will pay more tax in the form of something called a Medicare levy surcharge. So this is different to the Medicare levy, which everyone pays. The Medicare levy surcharge is an additional tax that applies if you earn more. And so it comes to a point, Kate, where you should take out private health insurance for the full year, not just you know for the last day of the tax year, for the full year, because it might actually save you money just to have the insurance. Even if you don't use it, it's still going to save you money. So it becomes a cost saving. Um, so that's, that's the kind of the bones of the health insurance system and how it works. Kate, how do health insurers decide who to insure or how risky someone is? 
Mm. So if you go onto a health insurance website, they're going to ask you a whole lot of questions about your pre-existing medical history. They're going to look at your age, your demographic, and some clever actuary at the back is crunching all these numbers and working out what does it actually cost to insure a 25-year-old female that's living close to the city in Melbourne and is fairly active and has XYZ pre-existing medical conditions. And then they spit out a policy price and a cover and they sort of back in the, at the back of their system, they're estimating maybe you'll use your insurance policy once in every five years and your extras um, you'll use X amount of your extras. Essentially they need to make money. So they, you have to cost them less than um, you're paying. Uh, over the long run. So I guess you can, it's a lot easier now to switch insurers as well. So um, yeah, and they actually often pass on those details across when you move insurers as well. Cause my, um, my family actually recently changed insurance and uh, you don't just get to double up. If you've already used all your optical in the, um, in the previous insurer, you don't just get a whole stack of new optical uh, within the same insurance years. So um, but some health insurers, um, as we'll, we might discuss a bit later, are actually taking into account all of the healthier habits as well nowadays, like using a gym. I, I think some even you can connect your Fitbit to um, and sharing those healthier behaviours that hopefully mean you're not going to be uh, needing your insurance as much. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? What we've seen in the past is you make a really good point about this technology and and actually rewarding people for being healthier Mm. um, is a new concept because we can use technology like wearable technology, like smart watches or what have you. But in the past, it was all about negative, like, um, I guess, inputs. So Mm. do you smoke? Oh, well, that's going to cost you more. You know, do you have pre-existing conditions? Oh, that's going to cost you more. But now it's both those negative kind of things that make the thing more expensive for you, but also things that make it less expensive um, and make it a better deal for you. And thanks to technology, a lot of these companies, these health insurers are embracing it and can use these uh, devices to monitor you a bit close, a bit more closely, but hopefully drive down your premium. So the, the really important insurances in Australia that people should know about, I think, and we've talked about this in the um, insurance episode early on, is health insurance, life or death insurance, as I kind of call it, because it protects your family if you die, not if you're living. Um, TBD, which is total permanent disability, and income protection. So they're the four major types of insurances. There are others, but it's important to know the fundamental differences. So life or death insurance pays out a lump sum to your family if you die. TBD is very similar if you're you know, total and permanently dis- disabled. So that, there's a definition for that, which you should be aware of. And income protection pays you an income if you injure yourself, um, if you... I don't know if, if just something happens, whether at work or otherwise, if typically if it's work, you should have work cover, but outside of work, if you injure yourself on the weekends, you can get income protection, which is just an ongoing fee and um, or an ongoing income stream, I should say. And so health insurance is completely different from them. You can have all of these insurances and there'll be no overlap. So I would encourage you to actively look at all of them. The key difference between health insurance and those three insurances is a health insurance you can't get inside your super fund. The other three you can't. So um, that's something to keep in mind too. The other insurances can come out of your super account. Health insurance cannot. So you actively have to go out and buy uh, health insurance. Hmm. Kate, 
there are some really important nuances we know with all of the different policies. So it's important to read the PDS, of course, but even just higher level than that, there are things that people should know. For example, some states have different um, policies when it comes to ambulance cover. So Mm -hmm. can you give us, I guess, a broad overview of what people need to know about the health insurance industry in Australia and how it operates? Yeah, absolutely. So I was when I was doing some research, just a little bit of background, um, I actually saw that Medicare um, has been been in operation since 1984 and it actually covers the cost of all public hospital services, which is probably something that everyone knows. Um, so, but you can also get Medicare covering um, services from GPs and specialists and some some basic dental services for children as well. So there's a lot of things that it, it won't cover those extra things like dental. Um, if you don't have health insurance, you can be stung for a massive bill. Um, and then also another key part of Medicare that I found was it's um, the pharmaceutical benefits scheme, which helps reduce the cost of quite a lot of medications in Australia. Um, yeah. And so when I was having a look, the, you've got those three main types of cover. You've got ambulance cover, which is really basic. And I was having a look at the Ambulance Victoria website and it's actually, they say the basic level trip um, in an ambulance is $1,200 in Victoria. Mm. Um, And that's just a base level road transport. That's not uh, having to get um, like an aircraft um, Mm. or one of those helicopter air transports. So um, yeah, I actually didn't really know that much about ambulance cover, but it's actually, it's only about $50 a year as a single in Victoria to get ambulance cover with Ambulance Victoria, which is uh, mm. quite good considering most health insurances have a lot of fine print about yeah. ambulance cover. The thing is, um, and this is really important to note, you bring up the Victorian example, is that in other states, you get your health insurance a different way than you would in Victoria. So in Victoria, you go to ambulance cover Victoria and you get your cover. In other states, it is often provided by the private health insurer. Um, And in some states, it's free. So in some of the really good states, I think it should be free in all states. Um, In some states, it's free. However, if you don't have ambulance cover, like you you don't pay for it, you've got to ask yourself, uh, am I covered if I'm outside my state? Mm. So let's say you're in New South Wales and you got your health insurance um, and you got your ambulance cover through your health insurance. And then you step over the border into Victoria and you injure yourself. Are you covered? Um, that's a good question to ask yourself. And sometimes it's just better to be safe than sorry. Honestly, it's mm. really important to be safe and sorry. Like for example, at our footy club, our club imposed a rule that everyone had to have ambulance cover mm. because it was so important when people injure themselves to go and to go and jump in an ambulance, it's just so important for everyone. Um, so it's it's a little bit nuanced, Kate. And I would encourage people to check out the rules in your state. And mm. it's a hundred bucks or fifty bucks, very well spent. Yeah, I just I just didn't realize how much fine print there was with ambulance cover and health insurance. Um, I presume that it was something that health insurance would just cover automatically, but that was definitely not the case. And there's, as Owen mentioned, the nuances on it you might have private health insurance covering you for ambulances in Victoria, but not interstate or maybe not for air travel. Um, And also there's also that other nuance where someone calls the ambulance on your behalf, but when it gets there, you don't actually need to go in the ambulance. And so that's not always covered as well. So it was a lot of, a lot of fine print that can catch you up there. Another one is um, 
some health insurers say that they provide ambulance cover, right? But it's only for the ambulance to get you to the nearest hospital. But what happens if you need to be transferred because that hospital isn't a major hospital and you need to go to an emergency at a bigger hospital? Sometimes they won't cover that second trip. So, I mean, that's just not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's be honest. So you need to be aware of all of those things. Fortunately, when you actually do pay for ambulance cover separately, it's actually pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. The, the health insurance providers make it a bit more complicated, if you ask me. How about, Kate, in earlier this year, for those of us that actually pay attention to this stuff, um, earlier this year, the government rolled out some much-needed changes to make it more transparent for us to buy insurance and to make sure we're getting covered for the things we want to be covered for. They brought in a new tiered system. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, so there was um, all these private health insurance reforms because there was just absolutely no standardisation And uh, I think they came into place around April this year where the health insurers had to categorise their hospital cover and their extras cover by certain levels. And they had basic bronze, silver and gold. So I've actually put a link in the show notes to a great um, table that the government's put together that actually um, breaks down the levels of cover and what type of treatments are included. But um, yeah, this is all sorts of things. I mean, I'll just have a look at it now, but... Um, if you're looking for different types of, if you think you need coverage for different types of area, it's worth having a look. So um, a bronze level um, might cover things like brain and nervous system or kidney and bladder, but it doesn't, might not cover things like back, neck and spine. So I think you've, you've got to have a look at that chart and work out um, at my age, what do I think I need coverage for uh, if I want that private hospital cover? One thing that I want to, um, throw out there for a lot of our listeners is um, getting covered for giving birth in a private hospital. There are a lot of people that will be listening to this thinking, I'll just get private health insurance and then I can pick my obstetrician. I can go to the hospital that I want. What's really important to understand is that it, there may be substantial waiting times. So waiting times, for those of you that have never done this before, waiting times are that where an instance where the health insurer says, yeah, we'll cover you for that, but you need to have your policy for at least a year before we'll pay you anything. And so a really good example of that is typically speaking, um, giving birth and and the coverage that that provides through private health is you typically need to have the insurance for at least a year. And it's quite expensive because let's be honest, you only want coverage for giving birth if you plan on giving birth. Um, And so the health insurers kind of know that they're going to have to be out of pocket. Mm -hmm. But um, there are benefits to that. There are pros and cons to having um, coverage for that in your private health insurance policy. For example, if it's a really complicated birth, the private hospital might actually just transfer you to a public hospital because they are better equipped to deal with emergencies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are types of things you might want to consider um, before you go and get these extras. But that's just an example of looking at the, the, the tiers, like you say, and then making an informed decision about what level you actually need. Mm, yeah, like I'm looking now, pregnancy and birth only has to be included in a, a gold level cover. So it, it could be included in the others. They can choose to include that, but it's only in the minimum levels for gold levels. So you definitely got to have to look through. Mm. Um, and obviously with these levels, it, it goes up in price. So the yeah, basics, ba- basics, the cheapest one, and that's sort of your base level hospital emergency admission. But if you're thinking you might need any type of surgery or elective surgery, then you're going to be having to look at the other tiers as well. 
And, you know, to go another step further, let's say you want to have IVF. You need IVF, um, which is a very important thing to a lot of families now in Australia and even worldwide. Is that covered? If so, how much? What does it cover? Those are important questions to ask too. And that can be another cost on top of your insurance or, you know, um, you may have to just choose a basic policy and pay out of pocket for those types of really expensive items. Um, mm. So we've, Kate's provided the, the, the link and I'm looking at it now, just like Kate is, and it's super easy to understand. This is a massive change for the health insurance industry. Yeah. When I was trying to wrap my head around this, I had to rely on choice who are probably the best source I've found and as well as the private health.gov.au website, but choice was the best for me to find out more about um, health insurance. So, um, Kate, the, probably the big question is, if we're directing people to this, is how do you research and choose a policy? Like, what are some simple steps people can take? Yeah, so one of the first things is thinking about who the cover's for. And most health insurers will provide couple packages and mm. family packages. And families can often actually get a pretty good deal if they've got uh, dependents that are under the age of um, somewhere between 20 to 25, depending um, but if you've got any dependents, have a look at the family packages because it often um, doesn't cost that much more um, when you have a dependent and not have a dependent. So um, it, it can often be the same cost as just a couple package. So actually have a talk to the health insurer and see what, what the costs are and whether they can provide you a better deal for having two people on the same plan or multiple people as well. So um, and often, often the health insurers provide quite good coverage. I know um, as, as a young person growing up, I remember sort of primary, secondary, most of the health, private health insurance covered all your dental treatments. So mm. um, they can often be a little bit more generous uh, to young children in the coverage they provide. Um, and, and some insurers as well, I think Boop is one I've seen in the city, but they actually have their own dental clinic yeah um yep. for that for their people so yeah, um so, i haven't tried that myself but so this is the thing that really annoyed me kate is let's say um you know we're here in victoria we're looking for health insurance and we run through some comparisons and it turns out that phoenix health cover is a really good one or people care is really good um if we just want basic hospital cover. Let's, mm. those are just examples but if you go to new south wales it might be that um Bupa's better or if you go to WA, it might be that uh, NIB is the best. And the reason why that changes is because the insurers have agreements with certain hospitals mm. and with certain doctors, which is crazy to me, that enable them to provide cheaper, better policies. So they might say, we've serviced all hospitals in New South Wales, but none in Victoria. And so then it's like, well, if I travel to Victoria, what happens? So um, this is what made it really complicated. This first list... Yeah. Um, you know, tiered product system is a good step in the right direction. But that's something to consider too. Like how well connected is the health mm. insurer? Can they provide um, access to the right hospitals for you? Like if you've got one nearby. Yeah. And if there's a, a hospital or a dentist or like a specialist and you've been using that one for years and you really want to continue using that particular hospital specialist clinic, actually when you're planning to get health insurance, talk to the health insurers and say, um, are you, do you have a relationship with this one? Can I claim through going to this dentist? Can I go to this private hospital? Because sometimes they don't have relationships mm. and sometimes they do. So it's actually good to check those things if you're really adamant on going to one particular place. Mm. And so I guess you've, you've talked about some, some notes here. You've got some notes here in the show notes. 
that's saying like use a budget plan to just to decide how much you can afford. Mm. I would say that's a hundred percent spot on. But before you do that, go and check to see if you are paying extra in tax first of all. And it's very simple to do. Just Google on the ATO website. We'll also have um, some notes in the in the show notes and in the workbook that we provide for this episode. But then when it comes to extras, one of the things that I like to think about is sitting down and actually deciding how much did I spend or how much did my kids spend, mm. my family spend on glasses, on um, optometry generally, or on physio in the last year. And then you go to your to the health insurance policies and you see how much do they provide cover for? If they say that they provide cover for physio, well, how much do I get back? Is it mm. 50 bucks? Is it 10 bucks? Is it whatever? And how much can I use of that? And that's how you determine if it's worth it for you, I think, to get extras cover. Yeah. And different health insurers will give you better deals in extras um, on certain areas. So if you say that physio is really important to you, you go to the physio a lot, then you can actually shop around and look for a health insurance that will cover more per, um, like if you go on a, a physio visit, it's a hundred dollars, they'll cover maybe 50, 50 cents in the dollar. Mm. Um, or there might be a, a smaller excess um, or you can claim to a, like they might say you can claim up to $500 on physio and another one might say you can only claim up to $200 on physio. So if you work out what are your health issues, what sort of specialists do you need to see, what uh, extras do you want, you can actually find the right policy that helps you find the right policy for you. I mean, as someone who wears glasses and has to end up getting new pairs of glasses every year, uh, that optometry and sort of getting those glasses is really important to me. So I would look for a plan that specifically covers most of the costs that I'm going to spend on glasses anyway. Mm. How about waiting periods, Kate? I imagine if I'm new to health insurance, I, need, I wear glasses actually. I don't have one right now, but um, how about if I was to just go to any old insurer, would they give me the ability to go and buy a pair of glasses straight away? Uh, if you haven't had private health insurance before, like if you're not currently on a health insurance plan um, and then you start health insurance, they'll usually have a waiting period though. Sometimes they'll waive it as a promotion. Often you see them advertising, mm. oh, we'll, we'll waive the waiting period if you join up in the next five days. Uh, kind of, I see mm. like sometimes gyms say, oh, we'll waive the joining fee. Yeah. Um, so definitely ask what is the waiting period? Um, maybe they can even reduce the waiting period for you. So if you, if you really want to, use one of the services straight away um maybe say can you waive the waiting period or like reduce it to one month or something like that so it's essentially to stop you signing up just to use one particular service um but generally i think from my experience at least if you're moving from world health insurance to the other uh they don't impose an additional waiting period because that would stop you yeah. you were still having health insurance but i'd, I'd check that as well yeah so in my experience again we're just speaking generally here but in my experience if you go to the same level of cover, so like if you had optometry on one and you had optometry on the next one, mm. they wouldn't. there would be no waiting period. But yeah. if you went from one that didn't have optometry to one that did, mm. standard waiting periods apply. So, Kate, we've spoken to Tim Tez from um, AIA Australia, and he's the um, chief health officer there. And um, he asked, I, we, we put the question to him, we said, when does it make sense for young people to start thinking about health insurance and weighing up the costs? And so let's throw that over to Tim. So, I mean, it really depends on your individual circumstances, right? And health insurance, because there's no upfront underwriting and it's community rated, um, it is a product that follows you through your life stages. So if you take me as an example, as let's use a personal example here. 
I first took out health insurance um, when my income reached a certain level and I started paying extra tax and then I looked for the incentive to, to purchase health insurance. Now, other people are actually covered at a young age or up to upwards to 25 sometimes under their parents' policy. And when they roll off, they need to be covered. Now, the reasons you take it out when you're younger are sometimes different from the reasons you need it later on in life. I, I did have it at a young age. I was fortunate enough to take it out at a young age. Some Sometimes it's tax. Sometimes it's things like you're playing sport and you see people get injured and, and those types of things. So it's really important depending on your, your life, li lifestyle. The other thing is, you know, other people, you know, they, they might have had mental health issues when they were a teenager and they're coming off their parents' cover and they don't want to be, you know, a burden and, and fall down on the public system. So they take take it out for that for those reasons. A lot of stories we hear about for people that are younger is their parents actually say to them, this is really, really important and you're not covered by our policy at the moment. So we want to make sure you you, you take out a policy for, for yourself because it's really important if anything happens for, to you. Now, as you go along in life, they may be the initial reasons you take it out. You might decide you need to start a family and there's some waiting periods and certain cover that you need in order to cover if you'd like to be a private patient for, obst, obst, I always get that word wrong, obstetrics. Um, and so that's the one. So, so um, you know, the, the, the cover changes with you there. Now, as you get older still, you might, unfortunately have chronic conditions or or diabetes or something or you might see at an age where you see your parents starting to fall into the system so so there's different levels of cover you need depending on your circumstances now if you if you're starting a family really young you might need really high levels of cover at a young age but otherwise if you're doing it just for tax levels you might be dipping your toe in the water you know to see to see what you need to to avoid the tax. I mean, I would recommend you still get a decent level of cover and not just do it for that reason. But as I've had kids, things like dental, optical, um, braces, those types of things have all become really important to me. So as I've gotten older and had a family, the extras covers kind of come back to become more important again. So it really does depend on your circumstances. I think anyone who's, I mean, of course, I'm a health insurer, I would say this, right? But it, but 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 anyone from 25 to 65, provided they can afford it, should at least make a conscious decision either to have it or not to have it, rather than let it slip between the cracks. If you want to rely on the public system, that's okay. Um, but, but there's some benefits to having private health insurance cover. But um, what I always say to people is, irrespective of what age you are, be informed and make a conscious decision. And sometimes the decision's no, and sometimes it's yes. Yeah, so Owen, you had three points that you think about when weighing up uh, whether it's worth it to start thinking about health insurance and how to weigh up the costs. Yeah, so this is a great question. So in my mind, when I'm thinking about getting health insurance, the first thing I think of is peace of mind. There are a lot of people that I know that have had serious health issues, cancer, um, heart attacks, you name it. I've known people that have had it. You've probably known people that have had it too, Kate. And what a lot of those people swear by is peace of mind. It's whatever the cost, it's worth it because health is number one. And for them, I say, absolutely do what you think is right because your health is more important than mm. your budget. It's just totally more important. However, mm. from a purely financial point of view, the thing that makes sense to me as well is incentives. So I'm talking about tax incentives. So if you earn over 90K as a single, or if you're, 28, which we'll get to in a minute. If you're 28, 
going on 30, shocker, I know, going on 30 and you're about to earn over 90,000, it also might make sense to get health insurance sooner rather than later. Or if you're a family and the combined family earns more than 180,000, then it probably makes sense too. So again, we'll refer you back to the ATO website to go and check those out. The third reason, Kate, we've already talked about it, is as a budgeting tool. If you spend a lot on physio because you just love getting deep massages or whatever the case might be, I don't know what you know takes your fancy, but if you do like that sort of stuff and you think, hey, I'm spending a lot, why don't I get private health insurance and it can cover some of that and I get the hospital cover kind of for a little bit more, mm. absolutely, go and do that. Use the government privatehealth.gov.au website, go and search for some, maybe a cheaper one is right for you, but that's the way I would probably think about it. Kate, we've already mm. touched on Medicare levy and the surcharge. So um, just, in, just to keep it really simple, I guess, just high level, what is the Medicare levy surcharge and how much do you pay? Yeah, so the Medicare levy surcharge, differentiating it from the Medicare levy itself, which is 2% of your taxable income and that you'll be paying now if you're, if you're currently paying tax at any level, I presume you'll be paying that Medicare levy. I, I saw it on my tax return the other day. Um, so there's also a extra surcharge, um, essentially the government's way of trying to encourage you to get private health insurance so they don't have to cover you entirely on the Medicare system. Um, so that is if you earn over the thresholds that Owen mentioned before, you might pay an extra surcharge, which can be up to 1.5% of your taxable income and various groups are exempt from that um, as well. So it's worth having a look, um, especially if you're on a high income, but that only kicks in at 30, doesn't it? Yeah, so what is important to note here is before we kind of go down this rabbit hole is speak to your accountant. Just give them a quick mm. phone call because it's worth the two second phone call to say, should I get private health insurance? They're not going to tell you which private health insurance or whatever, but they'll say, yes, you are liable for that tax. You should get it immediately. And so um, that's a really useful conversation to have, Kate. I reckon if we're going to say to people, go and go and speak to them now, but there is one or two more things we want to talk about. And that is, as you were about to say, the age of someone. Mm -hmm. So if you are over 30 and you have never had private health insurance, you're probably going to pay an extra tax. It's not really a tax. It's actually an extra cost for your health insurance. So some people teetering on the age of 30, like me, (laughs) they think, I'm going to get private health insurance now because I can see myself earning more in the future and requiring private health insurance. Mm. So I'm going to get it now. And so that's fair. But one thing I'd also say is, you know, everyone horses for courses, of course, but if you are, you know, not likely to use the health insurance, don't necessarily just say, okay, I'm, I'm 30, 31. I need to go and get health insurance ASAP because I'm going to eventually pay more in health insurance. Remember, you still have Medicare, so make an informed decision. And, you know, if it goes up 2%, that's what it increases by every year, the cost of the insurance. Every year, over, I think it's 31. Um, if, you, if you are going to be paying more, is it really life-changing for you to be paying 2% more if you get it next year? Those are the kinds of questions you could probably um, add up yourself. Then there's an age-based discount, Kate, which is a relatively new one, right? Yeah, so many health insurers will actually give you a discount if you start before the age of 30. Um, so, And they'll let you keep that discount for the lifetime that you're with them as well. So it's worth, um, worth weighing it up, especially um, as a young person, if you are needing those extras and using that sort of stuff and you're off your parents' plan, uh, it could be something worth 
um, weighing up and seeing if it's makes cost like a, if it's cost effective in your situation. Absolutely. So we're going to throw to Tim Tez again for the last time for this episode. And he's going to tell us about how young people can save on health insurance going forward. Yeah. So um, I, I think you're right. The, I think the point you were getting at earlier is weighing up the cost of not having it, you know, as part of your budgeting exercise. I think that's an important tool. I think with us at AIA Health, we've also recognised for the, for the community that, you know, sometimes people don't feel like there's a fair value exchange between the, the, you know, the premiums they pay and what they get back in claims. So we've actually developed a wellbeing program with our partners called AIA Vitality that, inc- that incentivizes you to take healthier steps in your life. You can't buy these points. You only earn them by eating healthier, exercising, getting your health checks, doing your online mental health assessments, those types of things. And, and you build up a points library. And what, what, it, what it does is you then go through statuses. So you, you'll start off you know, with, with a bronze status and you could get it all the way to platinum. And then we reward you depending on how high your status is with, with things like if you're on a platinum status, you, when, when people were still flying, of course, um, you, you, could get, you could get 50% back on your flights. So we were really making health insurance. If you were, and life insurance for that matter, if you're taking all the right things to lead healthier, longer, better life, you're leading quite a healthy lifestyle, or more importantly, if you're not leading a healthy lifestyle and you're making the right steps to try and lead a healthier lifestyle, we want to reward you with things that aren't necessarily linked to the health insurance, but gives you something back. So there's always value for money. So I think some of the well-being programs, those types of things are, are really critical. And um, the other thing is there are aggregators. There's lots of information out there. Some of it can be really hard to trawl through if you're if you're you know, there's a lot, it's almost information overload on, on health insurance out there. So actually, not just spruiking for us, but if, you, if you've got a relationship with a health insurer through your parents or you know of one, just, just give them a call. Most health insurers are pretty good. They don't just try and sell you. They'll sit there and they'll try and work out what, what your needs are and what you do need and, and, and try and come up with options for you. I know in AIA health insurance, if someone rings us and they go, and, and we think their best option is to stay where they are, then that's what we'll tell them to do. So um, so, so your health insurers do tailor those recommendations for them. Um, the other thing to be mild, mindful of, I reckon, if you're if you're a bit younger, is whilst you might feel bulletproof, all the statistics show that that statistically people aren't. The cost of healthcare is increasing. More and more people are having conditions younger, whether they're being diagnosed earlier or whatever else it might might mean. So. You know, people aren't bulletproof, particularly as it relates to mental health and those types of things. That's that's certainly a hidden cost in our society. Um, and 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 you know, so that it's not just about the, the 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 costs and the budgeting and those types of things. It is really about the peace of mind and 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 I look at it in two ways. There's a rational thought process, which is the budgeting and all that sort of stuff, and the tax, and then there's the emotional bit, which is which is I just, I just don't want to have to worry about things if something happens. So in summary, Kate, obviously health insurance is a really important thing. Um, what are some of the ways that you think people can better manage their health insurance? Um, what are some of the tools that you use to learn about health insurance? And will we provide any of these things in the notes or the workbook for this episode? Yes, I can answer all of that for you, Owen. Uh, first one I've mentioned probably with any other thing, Add a calendar reminder in your diary to have a look and review your health insurance on a yearly basis. 
hopefully before the premiums increase. So I don't know if that happens. That might happen in April every year, but um, yep. I don't know if COVID will permanently stuff that up or it's back to April next year. Um, yeah, so have a look. Look at comparison sites like Choice, I Select, and actually find a plan that works for you and fulfills your requirements. Um, and next thing is that all the resources that I've had a look at in the show notes, the government has some really helpful tools here just trying to work out the tiers if you need private health insurance. Mm. Uh, I'm sure there's a calculator somewhere on whether it's yeah. worth it, um, maybe on the Money Smart website, but I've got a whole list of different resources to help you uh, work out the Australian health insurance system and uh, what you need there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we've also got an episode workbook, which will have some of that as well that you can find um, by heading to your RASC Australia account. That's the one. Yeah. So we're going to start putting all of the workbooks in the RASC Australia account and you can get all of that for this series, for our other podcast series as well. Um, I would summarize this episode with a few things, Kate. I'd say use privatehealth.gov.au. That's how mm. I found my private health insurance together with choice. And um, that's a free thing. So you're not going to get conflict from like different providers being advertised in different ways. I would say speak to your accountant if you're confused at all about Medicare levy and Medicare levy surcharge. We've got Kate's put some great notes in there. Go and get ambulance cover. Seriously. Mm. Like everyone go and get it. Like it's yeah. a, it's like a must have. It's so cheap. I feel like that was the biggest takeaway <laughs> that I learned from all the research is that you can just buy an ambulance cover at any age, just a, a yearly subscription. It's cheaper yeah. than your Netflix yearly subscription. Yeah, it totally is. And it's so much more important. Mm. So those are probably the three big takeaways for me, Kate. Use privatehealth.gov.au. Find out by your accountant or just calculate it yourself if health insurance is actually going to save you money. And please get health insurance. Uh, please get ambulance coming. <laughs> it's so important. Yeah. Cool. Kate, as always, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.